0: Sometimes it can be better to have somebody just die, because sometimes the process of, of the breakup doesn't just involve the loss of someone, it involves the complete demolishment of your self-concept. It involves the corrosion of your personal narrative of your relationship and of the life that you spent together. So you've seen to, to lose a great deal more often in breakups than death.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 21 of the Two Lads podcast and with us today is Teal Swan. Teal Swan is a spiritual leader and somebody who has influenced both Leggy and I in a big way in our growth, in our breakups and also in our kind of recovery. So we were really happy to have her on the podcast and and we really enjoyed talking to her and and I hope you do too. So without further ado, here's
2: the episode with Teal Swan. Teal Swan, welcome to the Two Lads podcast.
0: It's good to be on.
1: Teal, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, real, a real,
2: real pleasure. I, I actually just wanted to start off by honouring you and um, just thanking you for, for being such a help in my life um, at a really difficult time a few years ago, um, especially as a, as a man, a young man in the world. Um, I was going through a really, really bad breakup, ghosting type situation. And um, I'd never really felt a breakup before. I think I've been bouncing around all my life through different relationships and um, addictive behaviors and all that kind of stuff. And this was the first time I really went through a breakup and felt it for the first time. And it was by getting put on my knees through being ghosted. And I was just looking for some sort of way to connect the dots to everything. And um, your, a friend of mine has recommended looking into you and uh, your completion process book and, um, and, uh, and then your videos online and all that stuff. So, and that really, I mean, it just ultimately changed my life and my perspective on a lot of things, including trauma and addiction and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to personally thank you for that before we get into this.
0: That makes me happy to hear. Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, so you, you know, I, I, I don't know if um, it, I, it's a strange thing because we're we're just we're really honoured to have you because there's also Leggy and I kind of we began this work together uh, during that process and um, just to give you a little uh, window into our very mad lives is is at that time I was filming in London leggy was working he was going through this breakup i was going through mine and he and i would send your videos back and forth over the period of about six months (laughs) various stages of you know basically withdrawal then pain and then you know so so you know you don't know this but you've been a big a big part of why we're in this and um and also a big part of kind of recovery i think and so that's um it's it's very meaningful to have you sat here and uh, and yeah. to be with us for an hour so we appreciate it
0: that's wonderful
2: Absolutely. yes <laughs> so it's a victory um, we i mean okay so can, do, do do you can we how the hell did you get here? To <laughs> into this? <laughs> where did like, you come from, Till? Where did you come from, till Like, like I, I know a little bit. Of, I know the backstory of the kind of the the press backstory, but like, um, it's just your 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 story, your journey to becoming what you are, and from 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 your from your early days is just like. Phenomenal and and just wild and so inspiring. So, do you can, do you do, a, do you have a little like brief blurb? <laughs> do you blurb a blurb for
0: us? <laughs> Give us the.
2: Give, how, how do you get into this space? Like, how do you land there? Pain. Yes.
0: And lots of pain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> pain is a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well what? I, yeah.
0: I came into this life. Very different than other people. You could say that I, I never fully disconnected from um, that which is non-physical. Like the more spiritual existence, our more, uh, let's call it a, eternal existence, yeah? Okay. That which has no beginning and end. Most of us, when we come into this physical dimension, we fully phase with it. And it's actually intended to be that way. It's not like people go through a phase of retardation where they forget everything, you know. It's really that there is some some spiritual merit to being able to plug fully into, you know, the matrix. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do that fully, which made for a lot of problems. And I like to tell people that if I had just had that element of my life, I would have been what I am today, the same spiritual teacher. I would have taught people what is beyond this life, and I would have taught people how to get out of this sort of samsara experience, but I would have done it poorly because I would have had no way to bridge this gap between where people are in their state of suffering and this more multidimensional information. The gap is too large, honestly, and that's been my biggest frustration in my position and watching other teachers that do what I do. It's just like this—these this, truths that exist at this higher level that you can tap into sometimes in transcendental meditation or in peak experiences. It's just too far outside of where most of us live our day-to-day life, especially the more we suffer. So this vibrational gap starts to develop, and this gap isn't just between where somebody is in their temporal life and their spiritual self. You know, it's between where somebody is and what they really want. Same gap. So the amount of suffering that I went through over the course of my life made it so that I understood both points of perspective. So bridging that gap is my life's work.
2: Wow. yeah. So, so Daniel, sorry, mate. You, were, oh,
1: just I was going to ask you to what, what was the, um, I guess what were the symptoms of you knowing that early? You know, were you kind of was it one of those things where you kind of felt not of this. You know, was your childhood that feeling of being like I'm not quite here all the way here, and not not all the way somewhere else? Or how? What were the symptoms of that to begin with?
0: Way too much information for a child, right? Um, All the extrasensory stuff. So what that means is my mother had to deal with me talking about people in terms of colors, like I see auras. And so when I was younger, I couldn't understand somebody according to their name, but I would definitely call them by what colors I saw around them, you know? Right. Oh, that's the yellow person. My mom's like, what? The fuck?
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> also okay, thought form. So to, part of that extrasensory stuff is, is talking to dead people. So as a five-year-old, that's not real popular when, <laughs> When you're like walking up, were to you in that
2: movie, of Sixth Sense?
0: I know that was my life. Like I was that. That was you. you. Like my life okay. A child. Right.
2: Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, and, and and like what's interesting about that film, I mean, is that these these what we call thought forms—the ones that get stuck in our time-space reality, kind of on a loop or on repeat the way that they come across depends on what they want to convey. So you definitely do get some of them that will show you very gruesome images. So as to convey a concept that was really hard to grapple with when I was younger.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah without any of the tools to kind of put in perspective or anything like that, I imagine it was
0: yeah. a,
1: a kind of quite a lonely experience. I imagine.
0: Oh, it was miserably lonely. Yeah. It was ridiculous. And it's not like people see this and, you know, in the Western world, it's not like it is in the Eastern world. In the Eastern world, when you've got little kids who have these types of abilities, the attitude is kind of like, oh, good. The universe has delivered us somebody who's meant to help the people. So we're going to sort of put them on a track and now they're going to go be our our village elders and our wise people and our healers. Yeah, that did not happen in the Western world. It was like, (laughs) this kid has some serious mental issues.
2: (laughs) Right. Whereabouts? you're from, in in whereabouts are you from?
0: I was born in Santa Fe, New Mexico, but my parents moved me quite young to the rural wilderness of Utah. All
2: ah, right, uh, okay, well, That's well, definitely we, hard ground we, to to cover, I imagine. <laughs> Although we went to Zion last year and hiked, and we loved it. So, uh, oh
0: yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> um. So wait. So can I ask about spiritual bypassing then? If we, if we're in term in terms of. So, so the way you, the way that you've cu- curated this, all this experience, from what I can see, is like, you, and like you just started this whole conversation around pain, and and so, wh- why do you think it is that a lot of when you're the spiritual, the spiritual space is, it can be. I, we say the word woo woo and just go a bit. It goes a little like it's all about. You've got a bunch of crystals and you're manifesting your best life, and you know we're sorted. Bring, that's put, it.
1: Quote, put quotes on Instagram and that's yeah, it. Put your really. quotes on
2: Instagram and you're done. You know, yeah. so it's like every and it's all about like yes, I figured it's all joy. <laughs> we're all swinging around and singing and and like you're you're coming in here going it's pain. Because you know it's what teaches you. So it's like, how do you how do you sell pain to your, <laughs> how,
0: <laughs> I don't have to. People will inevitably end up there, especially yeah, if right. they don't make certain changes. So it's literally a matter of time. That's actually heartbreaking to me because I, I could prevent a whole lot of that experience. But it seems that people have to be in enough pain to admit to the fact that they're in pain in order to learn about their pain, in order to change their pain.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And why do you think that people... In the you know norm, not the normal approach is to get rid of pain whenever it occurs immediately in any form possible, like numbing the pain, all that kind of stuff.
0: Because we have a dysfunctional relationship with pain, and I think it's primarily because of our dysfunctional relationship with emotions. Right. See, it, and it it varies based off of which culture you go to, because there are certain cultures that see merit in certain emotions. Like let's go to France, right. We, we know the, the French have a sort of love affair going with sadness that the mm-hmm. rest of the world doesn't seem to share. Right. Um, so depending on what type of culture you grew up in and the relationship they have, the specific emotions, those emotions are either validated or shut down, seen as important or seen as unimportant, seen as a hindrance or seen as something that has valuable information for the self in general, humanity today has has a not okay relationship with emotions, like we don't understand what they are, what purpose they serve, we tend to look at them in terms of they themselves are keep holding us back, Hmm. not understanding that emotions are the carrier of information, and definitely not making adjustments according to what emotions come up in a child. Hmm. And so it puts us in the space where we don't feel like we can do anything with the emotion. And based off of the way our parents deal with our emotion and adults in our, li- in our early life experience deal with our emotion, we feel like it's bigger than us. Mm-hmm. And so it's this internal enemy. So it's like, oh my gosh, it crops up. I have to control it. I have to suppress, deny, and disown it. And then that attitude just perpetuates for the rest of our life. We're just doing nothing but trying to find coping mechanisms to quell that fire.
1: Yeah. We don't seem to be very emotionally literate um, In terms of, you know, not just that we feel emotions, but what's underneath that emotion, what's under, you know, the the questions that kind of, like you say, happen when you're really forced on your knees is, oh, this isn't working, therefore there's this emotion, what's underneath that emotion, you know, and there's a, you know, it's a very brutal process, but it, it, it seems that that process isn't really... Talked about, right? There's not really this emotional intelligence around what is actually going on for people.
0: Yeah,
1: and that and that's that just seems, uh, you know, we grew up in England. <laughs> oh,
0: like a, all you need to say
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, there, there you go. New like, Jersey, actually. New Jersey, oh, yeah. <laughs> London, uh, London, Idaho, um, and I feel like you know, as you talk about cultures, uh, which are very literal. I mean, you know the. the this kind of British culture of really understanding things and really getting them. And yet when this whole very important part of our lives, we're incredibly illiterate when it comes to our own emotions.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that whole, I, I mean, I wish I could make this different for you, but that whole process for us to have a different relationship there would start in childhood. Mm. It would start with, let's say that you have a, a little kid that's not really liking some experience at home. Like mom, mom and dad have to go and work. So the kid will have a reaction about that, but the parents have already decided it doesn't matter whether you are having a reaction or not, you get to be okay with this. Hmm. So they'll turn against the emotion. And if a parent turns against the emotion, in order to maintain a sense of personal safety, the child has to triangulate against their own emotion to try to establish closeness with that parent again.
1: Hmm. And if
0: you triangulate against an aspect of yourself like that, you're not gonna be seeing, feeling, hearing, and understanding it anymore. So you lose the capacity to access whatever information is underneath that emotional state. And so like one of the most important things to do in childhood now, if we didn't get that experience in adulthood is to say that an emotion only occurs for a very important reason. I mean, only ever. So even when we're looking at people and saying, my gosh, they're overreacting, I can guarantee you if you understood their perception in in the experience, they're not overreacting at all. In fact, they're probably underreacting, Hmm. but you know, that, that emotion is always a carrier of a personal truth. Mm. Now it's not necessarily a carrier of when, when I say true, what I don't mean is it's 100% accurate. Right. Like a personal truth doesn't necessarily have to be accurate to be important. It exists. Right. And that is why you're having this emotion. So to be able to recognize your personal truth is to be able to say, there's a very good reason why this is cropping up. This is a thought or a belief within me. I have to recognize what that thought or belief is in order to understand what this emotion is trying to convey to me, and and then you can step outside of that and objectively look at that belief, right? Or look at that thought, and that's where the you know the real work begins of deciding whether or not you want to keep that belief anymore. Mm. Whether it's actually accurate, trying to shoot holes in the evidence, mm. or saying you know what that's definitely that's definitely something I'm going to even more consciously own as my personal truth, and because of this, I have to make you know, X action.
1: Right. Well, that's like such a beautiful thing because the reactivity, right, is to someone's uh, emotion and it comes across to you as if it's totally out, you know, overblown. But I love the way you're basically saying, like, you know, that it doesn't have to be true. That doesn't have to exactly be true, but you have to understand that the emotion is important. It may not be attached to the same thing. Therefore, taking the Mm. space between your reaction And hearing what they're actually saying underneath the thing is is a really important moment for, you know, your life basically, because otherwise you'll go around in reaction to the reaction.
0: Oh and then that's we just... cause a huge blow up without realizing it because right. it yeah. somebody's emotion as if the whatever is causing them that negative emotion isn't bad enough we've just added and by the way there's something seriously wrong with you.
2: Right. Right. But that's so hard. It's so hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well how do we there's like a, we're talking about a nanosecond here before the explosion happens of and you know of like you you're having this response that might not be about the thing that's actually happening in the real time, you're you're blowing up about something that's happened years ago, and now you've flipped all the tables in the room, you know. And like how, and in, for you, it feels real, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that's your real reaction in that moment. So how again, it's this thing of deciphering the the, the reality of your reaction and the truth of where it's coming from.
0: Yes, and I can promise you that 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 gap between. The experience and the reaction, you can make that wider and wider and wider. Right. But I will say that there's a reason if somebody feels like they are having this part to fifth type of blow up experience, there's a reason why. It's because the minute that you have an emotion, you automatically yourself, whether you're aware of it or not, are going into resistance to that emotion. So what's happening is you've got an internal invalidator. And an internal invalidator, when it turns against an emotion, is actually trying to suppress, deny, and disown the emotion, therefore feeding it with energy. Mm. So mm. that's what causes certain people to, to just be like, in 30 seconds.
2: Yeah, Legs.
0: Arms wailing. If you can have an emotion, meaning it's, it starts to translate into a physical sensation, if in that minute you become aware of it and you don't have that aspect of self inside because you've done parts work on this, if you don't have that aspect of self that is saying, oh gosh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? We have to do something, you know, turning against it. Mm-hmm. And then that's there's a space that's created just by the awareness of the the sensation, and that acts kind of like water on a fire.
2: Mm.
0: So you'll notice this peak, but it it kind of levels like that, right? And then you can do what you want with it.
2: Is that a result of you, when you're doing the work? You know, it's like when 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 you when when you're starting to be able to recognize those things. Like what what is the what are the techniques? Like, is this where you're doing meditation and like push all the pushups, you know, what is it that you now, what's the, what's the uh, practical application towards getting better at that moment?
0: Notice the emotion, all right? So it's it, first, it starts with a commitment. I should say this. Okay. So before we go into this whole list, it starts with the commitment to make this your practice. So I am going to, as fill in the blank with your name, I am going to develop a different relationship to my emotion, hmm. which means that this is, this is me now practicing, same as you would ride a bicycle. The minute that an emotion occurs as a sensation within my body, I'm going to turn my attention towards it. Now, in the beginning, <clears throat> you may have to make this commitment look more like meditation, meaning to begin with, we're so not used to tuning into our emotions that it's like hard for people to sit here and carry on a conversation, or you know, even keep their eyes open and have their attention there. So if you yeah. can't do that, closing your eyes, turning your attention to the sensations that are happening inside of your body, and just witnessing them. Now, if you have the capacity to witness something, you're in that moment disidentified from it. Hmm. And that disidentification process stops the amplification process of an emotional state or a thought process, in fact. Did you know that if you observe a thought, you're no longer in the chain of thought? So you've created a break just by doing that. Right. <clears throat> okay, so from that space of observation, second commitment, to see that, that emotion or sensation as important. Now, you can watch the sensations themselves and see whether or not they match to any specific emotional word. It's important for people to get that, like, we like to use a lot of words... Um, but every emotion shows up as a sensation, and that actually brings you closer to your personal truth. Things like constriction, things like buzzing—right? These are descriptive words for sensations. So it's really those you need to tune yourself into when it when it comes to emotional states. Right. So on top of seeing this emotion, th- then comes the step of validating your own emotion, which most people have never done because you only do that internally, mm-hmm. as a subconscious process. If you if you have had people in your early life experience do that for you. If you've had them come in and say, you know, you wouldn't be feeling this way if it wasn't for a really important reason. And that reason is important to me. Hmm. So I have the patience to sit here and figure out why this is happening within you and what it means for for you and what it means for me.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. <clears throat> so that is to, to make it the validation process is to make the what you're, what's happening within you right instead of wrong, important instead of unimportant. It's really just that. So it's, right. a, it's like a, a bit of self-talk. Hmm. Right. Well, I will say that some people have pervasive parts that are against this whole thing, like those internal invalidators. It's not that those parts are sitting there having just not understood validation. They deliberately are set up to invalidate you because they take over the job of what the adults were doing. Right. Because it's so painful to have somebody invalidate you from the outside. It's actually better to just own that and internalize it. And now mm. you're that's that's like shut up shut up you know so right (laughs) right okay so sometimes we're dealing with you know something where we actually have to do something with like parts work if we're dealing with a real strong internal invalidator if you're not like i said that third step is we validate our emotion well fourth step is we don't force ourselves beyond that most people when they feel an emotion they go they jump all the way to this last step which is let's figure out a way to think differently or what we need to do immediately to change this but that's not what what people actually need when they when they feel an emotion or when that comes up as a carrier of information they need to access what is this telling me hmm. so that's the the part where that you let yourself fully experience the emotion including what created it and that's where you start to make sense to yourself because you sit down and you're like all right when did i start feeling this way yeah so you're sort of like backtracking to like oh great okay so like i felt this way when that person slammed that door now that's the point at which you can say, when was the first time that somebody slammed a door around me? Like, why? What is it about them slamming you know, slamming a door? What did I make it mean? Why was that so bad? And then it's then that that personal piece of information carried in the emotion starts to come up. Something like, well, by slamming a door, they don't care at all about my personal experience.
2: Right.
0: Now that isn't. We're not saying that's necessarily true. You don't know whether they were just whether they don't care about your experience or not. But that's how you received it based off of like, maybe you you realize that that type of a thing or experience happened in your childhood life, you can go back and redo, you know, undo that trauma. If you want to go through a whole thing, no, if not, you can, you can choose to do, there's many things you could choose. Like you could choose in that moment to be like, okay, really, I don't know what's going on with that person's life. Maybe they just slammed a door because they're frustrated. It has nothing to do with, with me. I realized they weren't thinking about me in that moment, but you know, I also don't think about people really when I'm in a super bad mood. I'm pretty self-centered too. Um, (laughs) The self-talk I'm going through though only works if you're, if you're doing it not to try to shut down the emotion. When you go to this step of trying to, of being ready to work your way by changing thoughts and actions through that emotion, you have to have already gone through all these first steps. Otherwise the very steps which are now supportive of self would have been resistant to self they would have been resistant to to your personal emotion and you're going to feel it in your body that's why one of the reasons it's so important to tune into the way things make you feel because Mm -hmm. if if i had said something like that well you know i'm narcissistic too when i'm like you know it's all about me being in pain you'll know if you're shutting down your own emotion because in response to that thought you will not feel relief you're going to feel the same way that you right. feel if you feel bad. And someone's like, yeah, well, you know, but. Right.
2: So you're just like you're validating the feeling by becoming the thing that you're feeling. You're you becoming the story in your head by saying, like, I'm narcissistic. And that that, that can stop there then. I don't have to go any further.
0: No, no. Like, like, all I'm basically trying to convey is that you will know in this process where you're trying to create a relief for an emotion, which is all the way after all those steps I've just outlined. i mm-hmm. outlined. You'll know whether you've actually chosen the right thoughts or the different action to take based off of the fact that it will cause you to feel relief. Okay, and you know right, it, you right, right. You're not picking the right one if you're not feeling that relief. If you're feeling like you're shutting down your own emotions.
1: Hello everybody. So in addition to focusing on mental health, we've been learning a lot about the importance of digestive health here at The Two Lads. We have been looking around for the best kind of daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and a prebiotic, and we found the company Seed. Now Seed is formulated for digestive gut, immune, and additional systemic body benefits. It is sustainably delivered each month with its shipping box constructed from ecological paper made from algae. I am extremely impressed, and I really mean this, with not only the product and the science behind it, but all their packaging and their brand values. I like that they make you really look at the science of this and I like that they don't use plastic. and it's a really great company. Uh, you should check it out. I've been taking Seed now for a, a few months and can feel the difference just in my energy levels, in, in how I sleep, in how I digest things. So if you want to try this broad strain Daily Symbiotic too, visit Seed.com and use the code 2LADS at checkout to receive 15% off your first month of Seed delivery. Try it out. Check it out. That's the code 2LADS to receive 15% off your first month of Seed Daily Symbiotic Capsules. Right. It sounds like a kind of compassionate investigation, Teal, into your own, you know, like, I was thinking about this today because I was thinking, you can think of anything you know you know there's this whole debate right there's this, we're in such a polarized time and all you have to do is take someone's opinion about wearing masks for a, the 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 degree they believe that right is the same degree by which people might believe something exactly the same you know what i mean so you you don't have to look far to have a compassionate investigation to go these people aren't monsters the the person that is feeling this thing actually I feel this thing about this so strongly that I, you know, everybody has these kind of very big emotional kind of triggers, and to investigate your own compassionately yeah, is yeah. then to go, oh, that person has that, and they've they've just skewed their thing by one degree on something else, you know, some some issue or something, and so that that seems like the only way to get to, to deflate this kind of opposition is to do this process of compassionate investigation into your own side to then deal with kind of the rigors and the slings and arrows of life in that way
0: yeah it's also the only way that you're going to know what's the right action for you to take because right. like, in that moment, when you're in that phase of trying to find some action step that will lead to, to relief, whether it's just self-talk or whether it's actually going and initiating a conversation or whether it's removing yourself from a situation, once you are, are totally aware of the information that's being carried in that emotional moment, you're that step closer to figuring out what's your personal expansion path. Mm. Well, maybe I have the, Maybe this emotion inspires me to have the very first conversation I need to have with my coworker and maybe that is what opens the doorway to me actually having a good relationship in the office and not feeling like hell in my workplace every day oh. or you know maybe it's okay i listened to that emotion i went through the whole thing i'm realizing that i'm actually in a relationship with somebody who's not capable of being in a relationship and i will never get intimacy here and so i need to leave the relationship yeah
1: well, that's you know that's this is where this is where your work was really helpful because legs was was literally ghosted you know out uh, in one thing and didn't have anything to attach the emotion to legs right I mean that's yeah. kind of how you felt mm-hmm. and therefore there's this process where you have to go in, a, in an internal
2: kind of version of this because he was like we're just crying <laughs> over the phone Teal. there's only so much crying you can do there's no there's no other option at that point. You're just right. like, what do you do? I mean, y- y- people, I think uh, this is a good way to talk about breakups is because it's like, I think that we just, in society, people over, like, if you're comparing death to a breakup, people are like, oh, it's not as bad. Like if your family mm-hmm. member dies, and I'm like, I no. don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, yeah. too
0: In fact, sometimes it can be worse, and, and I, I often, you know, say this when I'm doing marital counseling. Yeah. Sometimes it can be better to have somebody just die because sometimes the process of of the breakup doesn't just involve the loss of someone, it involves the complete demolishment of your self-concept. It involves the corrosion of your personal narrative of your relationship and of the life that you spent together. So yeah. you yeah. seem to, to lose a great deal more often in breakups than death mm-hmm. if they're not handled correctly. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I, I 100% agree with that. I mean, I would never have even been able to agree with that until this, till going through that myself. But it's almost like if you're dead, you're dead. And like, but if you're someone's choosing deliberately yeah. to never speak to you again and ghost you, you're like, how can I not take that personally? You know, it's like please just be run over by a fucking bus. You know, yeah. instead. You know like it's just it's but, but, but then we go into this thing of like wow that was the biggest <laughs> gift I've ever had in my life you know but it took me to sit in this room crying <laughs> shaking up and down and like just not knowing having no map at mm. all for it, all of it and then go fucking hell I chose this I fucking chose it and here I am mm. you know and now I've got to do this thing that I don't want to do and feel you know and all of those things that normally I would just jump into another relationship or when I was drinking, I used to just, you know, go get fucked up or whatever. And like this time that those weren't on the table, couldn't do it, Mm. you know? And then you're forced to do the inventory and fucking hell, like, you know, it's brutal, (laughs) you know, it's fucking brutal. But how do you, then you go to this, I feel like I've gone the, we've gone the other side now. We're all going on about pain and like, where's the shame? Go into it. Think about it, you know, and all this. And like, where do we when do we get the balance back so then we can do a little bit of dancing in the fields and listening to the music and having some joy you know
0: so ideally it should be a one two step like you're gonna obviously go through certain phases of your life that are, are a little bit more like a delivery where um you're in labor for like a long time and it's not like you can come up for air right right Mm -hmm. And that's like really a personal rebirth. So what you're describing is a personal rebirth. But separate Mm -hmm. from those personal rebirth experiences, the way that this is supposed to work is the better it gets, the better it gets. So like Mm -hmm. you do some of this deep digging that may not be comfortable, but that immediately translates to some different way of thinking or way of speaking or way of acting that changes your life experience for the better. So it's not like we we get into the spiritual stuff and we have to clean this entire turkey pan so that it's totally clean and then we're okay to live life. That's not how it works. Your job here is never done when it right. comes to that one, two step of looking at some of these painful things, using it as contrast to decide what is wanted, and then closing the gap between where you are and what is wanted. So it should be that you do the shadow work and so you can taste tea in a different way for the first time in your life. Or mm-hmm. you, you know, do some of this... More painful, deep digging, and then you meet a person where you can actually have intimacy for the first time in a relationship.
2: Right. Yeah. So you you're working towards you 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 are actually on a goal of like ch- it's constant change through the avenue of learning through pain to yeah. somewhere else. Right. Why
0: the hell else would you do it? Like I, I mean, if, if I'm saying this, you really listen because like I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. But if if all you're doing is shadow work, you're not living.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's hard. It. That's the tricky thing. Is like, how do you, you know, you, 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 we get that, don't we, mate? Where we're like, we've got to keep doing more, yeah. you know, and this putting this on the list, and yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, there we suspicious of anyone that's in joy, you know. Yeah, you're yeah. like, ah, oh, you're full of shit. Yeah, you're not yeah, really yeah. You're happy. Not, you're, you're, you're not it, happy. No, wait, you wait. You wait till this comes down, and then you're really in yeah. trouble. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it as inauthentic when someone's just in their joy.
0: A lot of times, it is. Right. Right. And and I'm going to tell you that even the two of you, if you if you met somebody who was genuinely in a state of joy, you would know it. Yeah. It doesn't have this like it's not the peak experience that we're taught that joy is like we're we're taught to see this elevated state of almost mania as joy. That's not true joy. A person who's in true joy seems more in the physical and more here Mm. and more contented with the simple things. So you're, you're more likely, I mean, monks and nuns in Buddhist monasteries, honestly, like that's just a whole subculture. So there's a whole lot of like misery going on there. But you're more likely <laughs> to find somebody, one person in those types of settings who's actually yeah. in a state of joy. Mm, like yeah. what you're normally seeing when you're with what you two are describing right now in the world is just the perpetual state of avoidance.
2: Right. Right. So
0: right. It has the same. It has almost like an addictive feeling to it. You know? Because yeah.
2: it's raised up so um, big in society. Like, that's the goal everybody's talking about. You know, the Instagram life is look at me, I'm just killing it. You know, I'm doing yeah, it so seems, well in my it life. It
1: seems performative, like you say. Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah. a, there's a performative aspect to joy that, I don't know, just rings very untrue to a very kind of grumpy british men i think who's just like nah. speak for yourself mate yeah, yeah oh sorry american over there um you know and that i think it's interesting to, to 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 dive into like why does that feel why is that inauthentic like and and therefore what does it really feel like to be in kind of a, a state where you can watch someone and go oh yeah that person's actually really they got it sorted they they've done enough work to to earn that in some way
0: well, that person will never sell you their dot, and I can tell you that.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Anybody who's sending in, or selling you on that concept of an end state is not there.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's only when you're asking someone like, hey, how's it going? And they're just like, and they just go into like, I'm great. I'm amazing. I'm just, <laughs> this is all happening. It's all boom, boom, boom. I've just figured out my entire relationship. I'm yeah. like, boom, boom, I'm like, what? How do you do? What's going on? You know? Yeah, People I think that's quite, an, that's,
1: quite an, <laughs> that's quite an American thing, though, because I do feel like I've been, I'm, in, I'm filming at the moment here in, in England, and it is like, how are you doing? And I'm awful. It's awful. It's just really awful. <laughs> and you're like, all right, okay, I can get down with this. At least I would start yeah. here. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And I forgot, you know, I just forgot that's kind of how it, how it is. But there's also a bit of a hiding in that, you know, there's not an emotional thing there of saying, this is what's happening it's just like, oh, it's bloody, you know, bloody weather. It's terrible, here, isn't it? It's just, you know, it's so awful. And you're yeah. like, right, okay. Um, so that's the
2: whole that's the whole thing of like, if you just set it up as bad as it can be, then you can't be taken off guard, you know, because yeah. you're already prepared for the for the like. In England, it rains all the time, so like when it nobody complains because it's just fucking raining all the time, and everyone's so talking you know, about it before it happens. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not. There's never any setup for disappointment because yeah. you're yeah. already disappointed because you fucking live in England, or whatever yeah. it is, you know? <laughs> that's so, the ultimate disappointment. Yeah, uh, hence the reason why I'm in Los Angeles right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, uh, anyway, I mean, whatever, that's perception. What, I
1: guess. Um, till, we, we, we kind of, on this podcast, we're, we're kind of, we're approaching masculinity, right? And, and how, what you... You know w- what you talk about, masculinity. I think is really fascinating. I know Lulu <laughs> was like, "Okay, "I'm out." Cut it, cut it. <laughs> well, um, don't
0: want to about this subject.
1: Right. I know, and I, I find that really fascinating. I, I, I've watched, you know, obviously a lot of your your work, in, and and I know it's deemed controversial. And I and I don't watch anything in that that I find controversial. I, I just think I'm like, how empowering for both sides. To have a really <laughs> incredible conversation about these subjects, yeah. and and yet like it's madness to me to watch the idea that this is somehow subversive. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, we're, this is what we're we're kind of doing. So we just we kind of you know slowly going to ask you a, a, a kind of questions about masculinity, but to... fine,
0: just go for it. You know, I'm I'm used to just getting slaughtered.
2: Right. Before. Right. Okay do men and women exist <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no so so yeah i i, I like that mate because because i mean we, look we're trying to do this thing for men young men particularly oh. like because we never had this when we were lads you know so it's like so like m- we're trying to model what it looks like to just talk to each other in an open state and we're also you know we believe in our masculinity and and all those you know mm-hmm what that is ultimately That's good. yeah so 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 what do you what's your perception of like you know the dance between the masculine and the feminine and how it applies to humans
0: my perception of a dance between men and women is that it's really not a dance at this moment
2: right <laughs> <laughs> is it a
0: fight <laughs> sometimes it's a fight sometimes it's worse than a fight yeah Sometimes it's like I refuse to dance in the first place.
2: Right.
0: I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm, really, I'm like at a loss for words for how dysfunctional yeah. masculinity and femininity both are, especially in their relationship to one another. Mm. You sa- the you problem said something- is, that in order to get out of that dysfunctionality, we're going to have to swallow truths we don't want to swallow. Yeah. I,
1: I, and, and, you know, you, you said something really interesting um, in your book. I think it was that, um, you know, Men need to feel needed, right? There's a, this sense of the and 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 especially young men who are, who are, have this kind of weird mixed message around what is needed and what isn't, right? And the, there's various bigger politics to that. But how do you know? How do young men now feel? How can they feel some in some way like they're doing something that is, you know? I guess moving or evolving this, this, um, evolving in some way, right? To be, to be better than, than this thing that's been rejected. How, we're trying to find a new way through here. And I think that's what Leggy and I are trying to kind of go, okay, let's have conversations that men don't often have. Let's try and like go this way. I guess how do we become needed or how do we kind of, ha- how do we approach this, Teal? Because we're, we're just asking mentors at this point.
0: Okay, so the the first way to approach this is to understand that masculinity and femininity is like a polarity within the universe at large. The story of masculinity and femininity starts so far beyond women and men. I mean, so far beyond life on earth even. And really, just like you could say black or white, masculinity and femininity, you could define anything in the universe by sorting it into these categories, by the way. Right. Like light, masculine, dark, feminine, you could literally take anything and divide it into one of the two categories. Mm -hmm. Intellect, masculine, wisdom, femininity. So it you almost have to like start by zooming out that far and making it that simple and that detached from humanity to then start to apply these concepts to humanity. So if we look at all of these qualities that we could, you know, say are masculine, which like I said is difficult right because it could be you could be dividing every polarity into that
2: right
0: so if we look at humanity and masculinity there's some of those that stick out things yeah. like forward movement whereas feminine, you know female femininity for humanity would be receptive okay so like if you look at a quality like that it's about how do i see the value in that thing what is the value in that thing and how do i express that and embrace that within myself. And for, for a, a, a human man cannot be in a state of alignment unless he has accepted, embraced, and expressed those things. And we could say that every man is unique, right? There's Every man is a different expression of this divine masculine energy. So when one man Expresses forward movement, it may look like building a house. When another man expresses forward movement, it may look like you know doing what Usain Bolt does. When this man expresses you know um, forward movement, it may look like acting. I mean, it's totally dependent on whatever specific man. But but a man cannot be in that passive state and be healthy. Mm. Yeah. So, so if we simplify it and make it about really recognizing what these qualities of masculinity are and making sure that we are stepping into those and letting those come through us, that's how to embrace masculinity. Mm. The thing is, is like it, you're sort of, women are really up against men and against women in trying to do that. And men are, uh, are the same thing up against women and up against themselves doing that. Mm And, and so it's the resistance we have to, the, to this that is creating the biggest issues on both sides. Hmm. Like what, a, for example, let's, let's see, I, I got to explain why, right? So okay. let's say as a female, um, a really important quality is, is to, to nurture softness. Yeah. Now, what are we taught, especially in the like, working world for women who are taken seriously? Softness makes you... Weak. Okay, so then you're essentially stating that femininity is weak. Right. So we, even ourselves, are like, I don't want to be weak. Like, I want to be able to hang with the guys. So, like, screw you. I'm not going to culture softness. Like, I'm a really strong woman. Yeah. So we've got this sort of internal tug of war going with us stepping into that ability Mm -hmm. or that quality. And the same goes for men, right?
2: Right. (laughs) But where do you think that comes from? Like, where did we... As, as, as in your opinion, in your observation, where, where 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 have we skewed off into this alternate reality where, you know, we're not in that truth anymore and it's actually now a there's this perception of a battle?
0: Like this. So within, remember how, like I said, in the universe, you can divide like everything into these two camps. That includes things that we would overtly judge as negative. So dominance is masculine. So let's say that you've got a, you know, instead of really owning the masculine so as to make sure that you're in the exalted form of the masculine, let's say you slip into the sort of shadow aspects of your particular gender, which has happened. We have never, ever seen women and men in their power, neither. Mm. Very important to understand, but men have only ever been in the shadow. Mm. Same with women. So you can't like say, oh, whatever. You know, this whole thing about men have been in the power forever. It's time for women. Mm -hmm. That's actually not true. Mm -hmm. Masculinity has been in their shadow expression. And when masculinity is in the shadow expression, it looks like things like tyranny.
1: Right.
0: You saw, you know, the patriarchy back in the day essentially rose up and did so much damage. So much damage especially with the way that they wrote you know government it was the way that the you know out of alignment masculinity decided to not take genuine ownership for femininity and instead decided you're doing what i want you to do no matter right. whether it's actually in your best interest or not
1: right right
0: so it, it, there was a zero sum game started between the sexes and when government got involved with that for women they really lost all power all power in society And so that that put women in the position like happens when somebody feels like they can't go directly for um, what they want to manipulate. So right now we're dealing with, you know, the feminine shadow expression of manipulation over the course of generations got so dysfunctional that now women essentially decided the only way for me to win over my tyrannical a-hole husband and father is to castrate my own son.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: That's brutal. And when this whole thing happened, you know, when, they, when, let's say, so it's almost like the snowball; they just keep feeding into each other. And then we've got the nineteen sixties movement, which is ultimately where femininity went to die, yeah. and masculinity went to die because, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm like the first person who understands so what life looked like for women before the fifties is an absolute embarrassment. What it mm-hmm. looks like in the world today for many women is an absolute embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Like we can't gloss over that crap. The problem is. Feminists would have you believe that they're pro pro female, and that's not true. What happened is they saw the power men had, were angry, they wanted to establish equality in terms of sameness, and then they fought to be men. Hmm. Which and I like, was always... like, you be female too, by the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well,
2: that was the other thing. Like being a modern man is, if you want going to be a modern man, you got to be more like a woman.
0: Yeah, and you know, I don't like... agree. I don't agree at all.
1: But also, right. it's it's a strange process because it's not like. It it's not like men are killing this in 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 terms of it's not like we've gotten to a great place in this you know so like you say it's interesting to see that and to hear it from the idea that like this is masculinity in its shadow you know this is what it looks like greed the the kind of uh, the this obsession with violence objects, violence you know to try and say oh yeah what we do is we want to emulate that. By just putting a different sex, uh, doing the awful stuff is a weird paradigm. Yeah. It seems like that wouldn't be a thing. You'd be like, oh, actually, we want more people doing this. You know, it's yeah, be the like, women will be the violent ones now. Yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like you got to look at it and go, we got to change everything here. Is it, you really? know everything about how we look at the world and not uh, you know, and that is a big uprooting. It, it, and it can't be done within the system it seems like it, the system itself supports the system and that's why like i you know that's probably why you get a lot of pushback is because the system is going look at this thing you sh- this is the yeah. enemy this is the person because this is the system that works yeah. uh, and no one's going wait a minute is the system working i don't think it's not like we're doing a great job you know it's not like we're it's, we're killing it over here and like you know everyone's do more of this. So it is a weird
2: kind of paradigm we've set up. It's like the system set the, the system set up the end game and now someone's trying to be it. And it was men and now it's women. But we're at the same end is the same. It's like we've decided this is what it looks like to be powerful and one of you's got to be it. Is, is the hope of this though, Teal, to, to get women in
1: positions of power to then use their femininity to make better decisions... You know, I, I, I'm just saying, like, is that, to play devil's advocate, is, isn't that the kind of idea that this is once we replace tyrannical leaders with women, there will be better choices made?
0: No, you've got just tyrannical women then.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Right. <laughs> You're not like, you know, this is sort of the problem for women who are rising up. You know, I can tell you this as a, a woman in the position of leadership today to be in a position of leadership in the world that has been established by men. Mm. You become a man in order to be in those positions, and it ruins your life. So it's like by the time you get there, by virtue of being in this system to do this, you become the problem. I Uh think conveying what I'm really meaning is a lot more difficult because it involves the awareness that so much of who you think you are is false. Right. Most people don't wanna swallow that, right? They they want to think that the reason they have certain preferences or the reason that that they identify a certain way is down to just who they are. They have no idea how much that's been shaped by their early life experiences, by um, conditioning, you know, and all of these things that may or may not ultimately be when they step into free will, who they choose to be.
1: Yeah, it's funny so, because it's sorry it's funny because we take. We took plant medicine a lot to get this perspective, you know, Ah. you seem like you were born with the perspective in terms of, you know, you've already had it. Um, (laughs) I I feel like we had to we had to take a load of drugs to get there because, you know, that that was something that that when you said about universal truths, you know, when you said about kind of connecting with this universe, that's where I saw that first.
2: Well, you see know, you the expansion, like- yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, we've actually met in, like, journey work in, in LA, <clears throat> in plant medicine work, so, when you, see, when you go beyond, and look, you can get there in all these different ways, but once you start to see the expansive nature of the universe, and what you are within it, and it, the infinite in the infinite possibilities of what is consciousness and all that stuff it just blows all this shit out of the water and you just go into like what you just said which is v- the the simple backbone structure of the universe is that polarity right so it doesn't matter where you run where you hide it's built into the fucking structure of the thing you know it's the foundation of everything that we know and and stuff like plant medicine that can that shows you that in this way that just like ah oh, fucking hell it's so simple when you get down to it you know that's what i learned from that and and opening up this experience and then going into all this stuff where we're all just scrap fighting over scraps over here you know mm-hmm.
0: well the universe is very interested in expansion for itself so it's very very willing to change its own mind on something when we talk about source mind right mm-hmm but what you notice the deeper that you go into these t- different um, higher dimensional truths is just how intentional all this is. So oftentimes, like when you're engaging in these plant medicines, like you're talking about, you start to see the beauty of of the reasoning behind the way things are designed.
2: I mean, look, it, it, how, this is a cycle. It's all psychological as well, right? It's like if, you, if your granddad's saying that the radio is talking to you, right? And he's going, the radio just said, I've got to go and like, you know, kill my best mate or something. You're going to be like, "Grandad, you've got schizophrenia, sit in the chair, we're going to get you some, we're going to get you some help. We're not going to say, yes, grandad, the radio is talking to you, please go ahead and kill your best friend. We're not going to validate that reality, you know what I'm saying? So to me, it just applies across the board and any aspect of this stuff. It's like, if you say... If we're just selling I think we're selling people out honestly we're just stopping it okay your thing what you're saying now is true we're just gonna buy into it and and, and not push beyond that and go into the difficult space which is what you're saying Teal right it's like basically you you have to go through that
1: compassionate investigation
2: <laughs> roger that <laughs> roger that
0: <laughs>
2: um, anyway well mate mate what do we think? Uh, I, I, listen, I could talk to Teal all day, but
1: <laughs> we've only said an
2: hour, so yeah, yeah. you know. Well, Teal, listen. I just thank you, thank you so much for talking to us today and, and like getting real. And we, we knew you would, and and that's what we're trying to do here. And, and I think hopefully we can get a bit of a message out to the, some young lads out there and help them get them more realised in who they are and that they can become the the beautiful men that they that they could possibly be.
1: Yeah, and also people who, you know, who watch your things, I think it's like, you can't help, but if you do go down this, the teal rabbit hole, as Leigh and I have done, you will realize, like, there's a lot of responsibility, we do have a lot of responsibility, and like that's a good, it's a good thing to be empowered, to look at things, to go through the, the, you know, and to ask yourself the hard questions, so we're just, you know, we're really uh, happy to have you on and and hope that some people ask some hard questions because men or women you know yeah it's a
0: divine heaviness
2: a divine heaviness I like that (laughs) divine heavy metal (laughs) 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 thank you so much Teal Swan for being on our podcast two lads we we really appreciate I'm blown away that we did this it's just been epic and um, we look forward to talking to you again one of these days I would love
0: that
2: thanks Teal thank you Teal cheers peace
1: All right, everyone, thank you so much for listening to that episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and click the like buttons or whatever it is that gets more of you listening to this stuff. So we really appreciate it and we hope that you come back next week and listen to the next installment of the Two Lads Podcast.